boys and girls, Dying Time is here. That's right, it's Friday the 13th, Part 6, on Kill by Kill. Greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal Patrick Hamilton coming to you once again from Forest Green, a.k.a. Camp Crystal Lake or as close to it as we can possibly afford. And this is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We'll be unpacking all the gory details of Friday the 13th Part 6 in the hopes that a camper's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we make about them. And as always, I am joined by the only person that I trust to help me win that corporate paintball fight that we've all been aiming to win this entire year, the one and only Gina Radcliffe. How you doing, Gina? I'm pumped. I'm ready. I'm ready to get out in that... uh that fresh country cool air of the Pinelands region of New Jersey with my, my little goggles and my, my headband that says dead all over it. Oh, yeah. I, I'm ready. I, I'm absolutely ready for this paintball game. <laughs> oh, it's going to be murderific. But we are not alone. No, we have yet another teammate on the Kill by Kill side. And you might know her from the My Bloody Valentine episode of Kill by Kill. What, it's, what? <laughs> it's the lovely and talented... And married to me, <laughs> Becky Wilson. How are you doing, Becky? Not necessarily in that order. No, <laughs> not necessarily in that order at all. You really should introduce her as Becky Murder is My Game Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I'm happy to be with you too. Uh, again, I am sipping on my gin and juice. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I really should have started drinking. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you're going to regret it. I am going to regret it. I think we need to save the actually drinking while recording for probably various parts of, of Jason Goes to Hell. If we started <laughs> drinking for Jason Goes to Hell, we would be dead by the end of it. Because <laughs> uh, so many bodies. It's so many bodies, Becky. Yeah. It's exponential how many more bodies, even from this, it's kind of nutty but we will get to that a lot of those are group kills speaking of group kills we we have some today our characters appear on screen combined for a total of three minutes perhaps and the distance of time that we're actually talking about in this episode is probably maybe six uh there's just not a lot of distance to cover but you know if we go too fast it's not that fun and you girls will back me up on that right I don't know what you're talking about. A silent nod for my wife. Pregnant pause. A little too pregnant of a pause. All right. Uh, And so, like we like to do once we've formally entered a movie, is we like to give you a little body count. Who's still left alive at this moment in time in the movie? Uh, First and foremost, we have Tommy Jarvis 3.0. He's a mental patient in the sheets and a Canadian tuxedo in the streets. And then we have Sheriff Mick, or not Mick, but Mike. Uh, he's named after Mick Garris, the director. I, I was going to say, is that is is that a uh, an homage or or a home page? If you uh, if you watch uh, Oh Hello, it's a it's, it's a nod. Yeah, it's a hello. <laughs> yeah, I you're right on board. It's totally after Mick Garris. Um, and the character design here, in terms of how he's presented, he appears to be equal parts Groucho Marx and Larry Fine. <laughs> but, but very angry. Very, very constantly angry. Yes. Oh, he is so pissed off from moment one. 
and he's pissed off at people who come into his sheriff's office. He's pissed off at his daughter. Mm -hmm. He would like her to behave and for her to listen and her to shut up and for people to stay away from her, first and foremost. First and foremost, yeah. Which is interesting because she looks like she's about 25, maybe. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. She looks like she should be, uh, you know, one of the hostess at a hotel bar. (laughs) You know, where she's got the whole... A lot of makeup and the black shirt and the black pants and the black pumps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for, and for those who don't know, uh, we are discussing Megan Harris. She's the daughter of the sheriff and owner of the tightest pants in town. Mm-hmm. And we know that for a fact because the only runner up would be her fellow counselor, Court, uh, who has the loosest pants in town. <laughs> Uh, holes. The holes for days. I I was telling Becky, he to me looks like what would happen if Dial MTV sprouted two legs and started walking around. He's oh yeah, just... he he he, he kind of looks like. I mean, now now it's predating it, but he reminds me a lot of from the uh, the first season of the Real World, Eric. Like, yes, the the kind of he went on to host Club MTV, I think, and mm-hmm. and. Uh, He's just that sort of like I I wouldn't use the word sexy for this guy because he's not sexy, uh, but just sort of that kind of like pretty boy lunk head. Yes, he, he he's it's got that a Rob cro- Lowe Saint Elmo's fire. He, he, yeah, me. he's got he's got a cropped sweatshirt, which which <laughs> cracks me up because this is such an '80s thing that you see in a lot of movies that never was something you ever saw in real life. You never saw boys, teenage boys, walking around with the with the belly bearing football jersey, which is like another yes. another. Yes. thing that the you know the high school bullies always wore in 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 teen movies uh, you know the belly bearing was not a thing that i saw in in young men that i went to high school with no i know the mullets the mullet hair for sure mullets, mullets definitely hair. that little that little you know that little strip of flesh around your your, your stomach area no that was not usually on display <laughs> To me, it was like he felt a little jealous of the Jennifer Beals flash dance gray shirt that we all got to wear. Uh-huh. <laughs> he wanted, he did his own spin. Want to flash it's, a little skin too? <laughs> yeah. It's a whole host of 80s fads that never actually reached any sort of real people. He's, he's almost like a unicorn or a spaceship. It's something that only exists on a screen. Mm-hmm. But in real life, those things are very difficult to run across. He also has a dangly earring, which... <laughs> Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe from mm-hmm. St. Elmo's Fire, big time. And about a good half of the cast has poodle hair. So <laughs> if we're going to add to the poodle hair pile, uh, we would also put Sissy in there. Now, she's played by Renee Jones. Uh, who would go on to play Lexi motherfucking Carver on Days of Our Lives. So let's have some respect. (laughs) Patrick is a Days of Our Lives fan, for you listeners who are not aware. (laughs) He he kept up. He kept up with the characters over the years, just FYI. I I can't say that I kept up. They have not moved on. It's very easy to fall into old patterns when everyone is still there. Still going through the exact same problems. Well, yeah, it's... I mean that's the problem. That's the thing with soap operas is is you could stop watching it for a year or two, 
and then go back and it's like maybe a day a week later as far as the uh the, the plot is concerned it's like wow i haven't missed a thing it's like i was on yeah, vacation there it is again yeah i know very it, comforting yes in my family i was responsible for setting the vcr so that my mother could watch all five days of days of our lives in a row because she would generally miss it when it was on at noon here in uh in la and that meant i was the only one in the house who knew how to operate the vcr which is how I ended up being able to record David Letterman every night. And got hooked on Days of Our Lives. And got hooked on Days of Our Lives as a, yeah. I, I think it was, I liked to watch TV, and that was the TV my mom wanted to watch. And if I wanted to connect with my mom, that was a way to you do to, it. You had to watch her stories. Right. It was that <laughs> or get super into Mormonism. I think I chose wisely. wisely. Yeah. For me. Okay. Not for everyone. Right. Just for me. <laughs> um and poor uh sissy has uh basically the female version of court's hair it's yeah, not too different yeah. it's uh insane the height that is going on in everyone's hair and just to round this out we've got our designated ginger of the group we have paula who little did you know was third runner-up in ms hairbow model competition well, in 1986 well, well. <laughs> That is a made-up competition, but I believe it to be very, very true. <laughs> the thing about Paula that I find interesting is that she has a lot of costume jewelry going on. She has... This is the one with the headband? Yeah, she has the headband. She also has uh, earrings that look like some sort of treasure that Indiana Jones would try to pilfer out of a cave. Oh, I don't remember that. Indiana Jones and the, the Quest for Claire's Boutique. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I mean, they are pronounced. There's so much leg coming out of Quartz pants. I know it's amazing. Why? What does I mean? It's barely an outfit. Not even did Nelson even go that overboard in terms of pant shredding. And why is everyone having to put on their headphones back on when they're about to talk to children? Well, they make it very clear they have no interest in spending time with children at the camp. For children. My favorite part of this whole sequence is when the school bus shows up and mm-hmm. they appear to be shocked that there are children on it. Yes. <laughs> and would prefer the tale of a of a, a murderer risen from the grave versus having to deal. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the second thing. That's yeah, that, that's the second thing that I, I need to talk about. But we'll we'll, we'll get to that. We're still uh, we might as well just dig in right now because the 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 people that we'll be discussing in terms of their deaths are so disconnected from the action. We might as well just talk about it. Uh, they give this sort of when I say they, I, I mean Megan. Megan gives what has to be the most influenced bit of backstory. It feels to me much more like. A Freddy Krueger speech. Yeah. Yeah. This is this legend that our parents say didn't really happen, but what if it did? That's... That's what, that's, I need, that, that's, what I, that's what I need to, to talk about. Again, how long after the events of part four is this supposed to take place? Like, it can't be more than, like, seven or eight years, right? I mean, based on the chronology of, of how old we believe... Uh, the character of Tommy Jarvis 3.0 to be, unless he they've really aged him up and let, like let's say he was 28 at the right, but, but uh, Megan the maximum that, that would be like what 16 years. 
Right, and Megan's like, oh, well, this was a story our parents told us, but they said it wasn't really true. It's like, you can look it up in the fucking newspaper. <laughs> you could, <laughs> yes, you could, yes. You could literally go to your library, you uh-huh. put some quarters in the microfilm machine, kids ask your parents, and look at the, the, and look up the story. And they're like, oh, this is like, she's talking about, oh, this is something that happened a hundred years ago. But, you know, it was, it was all made up just to scare children. No, that actually happened. Not only did it actually happen, it happened less than a decade ago. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be like eight years ago. You should have, you should have remembered seeing this on the news. That's like telling, telling kids our age. Well, you know, there was once, you know, a, a president named Reagan who was almost assassinated, but that was something parents told their kids to scare us into eating our vegetables. I think it's trying to project that it's been like maybe a decade, maybe yeah, but a little still, bit more I mean, than a decade. These these people, these characters would have been maybe even then. These characters would have been like ten, eleven, twelve years old at the youngest, and some of them look right. a little you know, older than they could have been older than that. And they're 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 acting like oh no, this is something our parents told us about. Yeah, it's a it's a legend. It's a it's a tall tale. Did He's you, like you, Paul Bunyan. Did you not have televisions or radios? <laughs> In this, in this remote New Jersey town you grew up in? Murder was so common that people don't even seem to notice. Clearly. I mean, if we hearken back to part four, where where Mrs. Jarvis is reading a newspaper, and the, the headline splashed across it is like, dozen die in slaughter, and she's like, dum-da-dum, that's on the other side of the lake. I don't have to pay attention to that bullshit. Somewhat contradictory though, because the Megan character does make it sound like it happened a thousand years ago. They were too young, but the Lexi from Days of Our Lives, what is her, what is her name? Sissy. 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 Uh, in the jail, when Tommy says Jason's back, she right away is like Jason from mm. Camp Blood. Like she's on. She remembers. Yes, it's the one part of this that is seriously underbaked. Is the legend building. Um, but it's so light and breezy that they're just kind of playing on the fact that maybe for some people, this may have been their first Friday the 13th movie, that, that some of it where, you know, you're, you might not know every nook and cranny of the, of the Friday the 13th films, but you're generally aware that there was a crazed killer named Jason Voorhees. I think that's what they're trying to trade on. It's a little awkward, but. You know, it's not as awkward as, say, Sissy's giant shirt dress. Um. <laughs> now, how much time had gone by between production-wise, not story-wise, between five, five and six coming out? How many years? A year. Just one year. Just one year. Okay. Part five came out in 85. This came out in 86. Okay. The amazing summer lineup of 1986, which is uh, something of legend. It was pretty amazing you have yeah, that's gun. a legend just, for the, you. just off the top of my gun uh, top of top Tell of my head gun. top of my gun you have top gun you have aliens you have the fly you have yeah. big trouble in little china so anything else in the sheriff's office that we need to discuss necessarily other than the fact that megan changes clothes for no particular reason she shows up looking like she's gonna start dancing in a paula abdul video and then when she's at camp she's got giant uh, overalls, overalls or something right and she's yeah. off the set of blossom she is she is eyeing tommy like a hungry man eyes a platter oh, yeah. barbecue chicken i mean she is just <laughs> she is just like undressing him and then redressing him and then undressing him more slowly <laughs> with her eyes yes 
And then, and then she is redressing him and spraying him down with water and then undressing him again. <laughs> uh, Tommy seems to, he has a tick. And it is, when he's frustrated, he, he runs his hands through his hair. And he does it about 15 times in this scene. Like, he's re- like this is the thing that shows I'm frustrated. And he just constantly just grooms it back so that you know there's not a lot of hairspray involved. Court also has a lot of eyeliner on, I've noticed. For that. a dude at a summer camp? Yeah. Yes. Yes. For someone playing bass guitar in Warrant, no. He's perfectly <laughs> fine. That's true. <laughs> Minimalist for that, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yes, yeah, she is clearly, well, I think it's, you know, I feel like her intention is twofold and she does it well, which is that she's honestly attracted to Tommy, mm-hmm. but she's also getting her dad's goat. Yes. Totally. It, and she seems to love to push his buttons, but she also wants so, to get but inside so e- those suspended pants. Yeah. And they're so easy to push. I mean, this, this is, this is a guy who could picture like destroying a fit at Dunkin' Donuts because they get his order wrong. Yes. <laughs> yes. He has he has a lot of he has a lot of bottles of beta blockers in his in his desk, I I picture. <laughs> a yeah, a lot of Ativan, some some you know, some Alka Seltzer, some Tums. He's he's a very tense and angry man. Uh Court has so many holes in his jeans, he even has holes in the butt of his jeans. <laughs> it it's just it's beyond dressing. He his he literally looks like he went through a scissors factory. I'm becoming my parents from 1986. <laughs> pull watching, your pants up. Pull kids. your pants up. There are too many holes. <laughs> what is the point of this? Who do you think you are? Why won't why do you complain about going to church every Sunday? Everything that I heard from my parents in 1986. Stop trying to watch Playboy Channel through the scrambled signal. <laughs> yes. Well, if you hold if you hold the dial right between the fifteen and the sixteen, sometimes it comes in very, very clear. That's a that's a trick. I but it's hard to, to do one handed. Porky's I'm... was on HBO. Yeah, one of the first families to get HBO. Oh, and Porky's was always on. At four yes, o'clock. Porky's was Amazing. always on, and if it wasn't Porky's, it was Porky's Revenge. Yes. And if it wasn't Porky's Revenge, watch, it was Porky's 2 the next day. Yes. Um, and I'd have my, like, I'd be six inches away from the television set because I knew as soon as my mom got home from work, I had to switch. Or you had to do that full body blockage. Yes. Like, no, I'm, I'm just, you know, no, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm watching uh, Davy and Goliath. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. All I'm saying is it's a lot easier for girls to sneak that maneuver than guys because you can walk away clean. Me, there's a, you could tell that there's a, that I've been watching something that I may not have. Got to get that throw pillow and kind of strategically hold it up. Just kind of, you know, do that, that that quick little walk out of the, uh, out of the living room. When the kids all pile out of that bus, a lady dips out and says, they're all yours. And she uh, relishes that. Like... Here's the devil's line. Well, she got line. her SAG card doing this. This is what I believe. <laughs> can you get a SAG card from one line? Yes. That's all it takes? You can, yeah. Yes. Can. So an under five qualifies That's why you? I did extra work at first when I got out here. Because here I am with my BFA acting degree. Like, how, do I, how do I get someone to notice me? If you get a line during a production day where right. they don't have time to do a casting session and they just have to grab somebody from the crowd. Yeah. 
that's how you got your SAG card. Ah. And I'm sure she got it and was like, I'm going to work the hell out of this line. <laughs> they will notice me and I will be... Rocket know. to the top yep. of, of nowhere fast. Oh, tell please tell a story ever so briefly of the guy who came in while you... Were you at the WGA or were you at SAG when he came in and, and asked a very simple question? And that man was Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> <It> probably was. <laughs> but yes, he did come in. And, you know, and the Screen Actors Guild is actually set up a bit like a bank where they're behind bulletproof glass to take your money, to take your dues. And perhaps they're just worried about so many disgruntled actors are going to come in and shoot them because they didn't make their insurance or whatever. I don't know. But it's a very kind of sterile setting. Looks like a bank. And a bunch of us were in line to pay our $43 or whatever it was that we all had to pay if we hadn't worked that quarter. And yeah, he came in and said, excuse me, um... This is shoved his, instead of giving his check under the, the plated glass window, he gave her, her his headshot. She's a cashier, basically. Yeah. It's like, where is this where I go to become a movie star? <laughs> and I love that story. I love it. Everyone's laughing. It's so delightful. Everyone laughed naive. at him because yeah. how could you not? No. But it was uh, also very, yeah, sweet. And he just I came just, off the bus from Iowa thing. <laughs> there yeah. he is. I just picture like the, the the headshot looks like when um in Mortal Kombat when you do the Johnny Cage friendship and he gives you the uh, <laughs> gives you the headshot he's in the sunglasses and all smiling it says like your friend Johnny Cage on it yeah okay. there was a good chance there were sunglasses on in the photo it might sure. it, the photo might have been taken at a Walgreens specifically for the purpose of a passport <laughs> and he had blown it up to an eight by ten. Entire, or he was in a smart sweater and collared shirt combo. Yeah. Who knows? There uh, was I, a composite shot where you have him like, <laughs> I, if I have glasses on, I can be a pharmacist. If I <laughs> have a tie on, I am a business executive. It's like, uh, um, I have holes it? in my jeans. It's yeah. like, what's his name? Uh, from Ghostbusters, uh, Kevin from Ghostbusters, where he's got the saxophone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got like the doctor's outfit, but he's like shirtless in both pictures. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shows a range. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, I just love the idea of a person showing up to what he assumes to be movie star registration. Yes, like, that's what I do. Is this where I've uh-huh. I've been given the correct happen. information? Well, he correct. spent a week. He spent a week hanging out at a drugstore, and nothing happened. So he decided <laughs> yes. he decided to be proactive and uh, you know reach for that ring himself. Well, that tight sweater started to itch, and so he tried a different tack. <laughs> so that pretty much brings us. We we've run out of things to talk about that aren't of these are, teens uh, that aren't these the, the bodies that we're supposed to talk about <laughs> the the characters that we should be discussing. Let's get into some office uh, politics because some private Benjamin hijinks. <laughs> yeah, complete with. Oh is this the first? Is this the first time that we've had like wacky music playing in the background during a a, a scene in Friday the Thirteenth? I feel I'm like it sure. might be. I mean, certainly Part Five has some histrionic moments, but this is legitimate shtick. Yeah, when that goofball music showed up in the very first shot of his head popping out through the bushes, all I said was, "Oh no, no." <laughs> This is going to be a whole thing, isn't it? And it sure is. Yeah. I mean, it's bargain basement stripes going on. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because uh, you guys, it's your fault. You both raised my expectations. Because you're like, this movie's so great. It's so good. Well, in, compar- watch- in comparison to, fi- uh, to, to Five, it is. I mean, in comparison, I have, yeah. to, and I have comparison to Five, five. it's Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> I mean, that being said, it you watched it from the beginning just to get a flavor mm-hmm. for it. And it, it got you laughing. You were oh, enjoying sure. yourself. But it was it was campy and winked at itself. This to me was something else. Because this was kind of the the, the uh, certainly in a movie that is very you know, winking at the audience the whole time. This is probably the eh, come on, you know, it's, it's it's probably the the low point of the movie. Because again, it's characters that exist largely to be immediately killed off, and and it, right. it just seems to be a very random scene, most mostly to explain how Jason manages to acquire a machete and also how he discovers that he is apparently now really super strong. Clearly. There's, there's practically a, huh? That comes out of him. Look, if he I still did had that? Lungs. <laughs> Wall? Yeah. There's just a, cor- a cornball factor that isn't there to me than the first 15 minutes, which is more of a wink and a, we're in on the joke with you guys. Yeah. Even the gravedigger, I actually like him. Uh, yeah, even though he he looked right at the camera. He with looked that right whole... at the camera and does this crazy muttering monologue, but it's so, you know, the great scene to... of every Shakespeare play. I think, like, my favorite, I, I think my favorite line is, I'm a high school graduate. <laughs> Yes. I deserve. I deserve I des- this I job. Deserve this job. I, I earned, earned it. it. <laughs> I believe him. Yeah. <laughs> did, Maybe there was a lot of competition. The thing is, this hey, you know is what? a it, highly prized position in this town. I was going to say, buried a lot of yeah, people. In that, in that town, grave digging is a booming business. <laughs> You've got to be good. And we have learned from previous explorations into the wiki on other films that a lot of the people were buried right on top of one another, which means you're you're digging twice as far down to get both those coffins in unless mm-hmm. you're just piling bodies one on top of one there another. There are a couple coffin. that that are that are described as being in the same casket. Like I think the couple from part 3, the one the, there was a Debbie who was pregnant. Yes. And they basically described it as making it sound like she was in her casket and they tossed the pieces of her of her boyfriend on top of her in the uh. casket. <laughs> Like yeah, so I, many I, roses. Yeah, I, I, I think I told you uh, earlier, Patrick, that th- sadly the wiki for this one is very scant on on completely unnecessary additional information about the characters. Like we don't know who any of their parents' names are. We don't know how they were buried. We we don't know anything about what their lives were like before they they showed up at Camp Forest Green. It's very disappointing. <laughs> We don't get a very long, elaborate description of, of how they were killed uh, as, like, with Billy and Lana uh-huh. in, in part they, five. They also have That's... super awkward descriptions of sex that I yes. really enjoyed. Oh, there's some... There's some... People are unsure how sex works when they talk about <laughs> it. It's kind of like a... I've heard some things and I may have seen a, a very weathered copy of Penthouse at some point, but I'm not... Uh, the mechanics? Eh, a little rusty on it. Kill, 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 kill. Break, 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 break. Well, hey there, hi there, ho there, killers. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, 
coming to you to break up the action ever so quickly to take care of a little bit of business, and then we'll get you right back into the podcast. You know, we make a little bargain here at the Kill by Kill podcast where if you leave us a review on iTunes, we will talk about it here on air, especially if you tell us what your favorite kill is. In fact, uh, Spencer Seams, a friend of the podcast, uh, was ever so nice to leave us a, a five-star review on iTunes, and his favorite kill from the entire franchise is as follows. My favorite Jason kill is the one where he killed that person. You know, the one where the person died in a brutal way. Yeah, that one. It seems a, a little general. He might not have the, the tightest grasp on all the ins and outs of the podcast. That's okay. You know, that's fine. We love you. He loves the show, and we love you back. Speaking of which, Agent Billow, I, Maggie, uh, Jay, Joe, Jagger, there's a lot of consonants and vowels going on here, but this person leaves a lovely review for us, as does RJ47890. Thanks, everybody, for taking time out of your day. You don't need to do this, but, oh boy, do we appreciate it when you do, because uh, when you leave us a nice review on iTunes, that helps us get seen and heard by more people to enjoy the show and that's what we all want. And just one quick bit of business. Our friend Rodney Asher was on the last edition of Kill by Kill podcast. He could not, at the time of the recording, reveal his next project. Lo and behold, in the time that it took for the podcast to drop, it's actually now streaming right now on Shutter. It's called Primal Screen. And it is exactly what you want from Rodney. It's a deep dive into what scares you. And, oh man, uh, all I've been able to do, because I make it a real habit not to watch Rodney's work before I go to sleep. But uh, from what I've seen so far, it is super creepy, super interesting, and he gets into it. That is Primal Screen, and it's exclusively available on Shutter, if you don't have Shutter, people, you're missing out. That is where horror lovers need to stream right now. Anyways, with that being said, thanks everybody, and the body count continues. Cow, 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 cow. Break, 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 break. Um, but the actual characters that we are discussing in this particular section of uh, the Kill by Kill podcast are as follows. We have Bert, we have Larry, we have Stan, Katie, and Roy. Now, Bert is our raging misogynist. Oh, yeah, okay. he's 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 basically a sentient YouTube comment section. <laughs> totally. <laughs> just just throwing out every possible stereotype of uh, the uh, chauvinist pig, right down to should have stayed in the kitchen. Yes. Yeah. It's a it's it's not a nuanced portrayal. Let's let's put it that way. He would certainly be upset that they would have a Wonder Woman showing with all women in it. Yeah, that would not be okay with Bert, Brent, Bert. All of this because of a paintball contest, a game of paintball, which is some sort of team building exercise with only it's, four people, which is which is I know, puzzling. It's a very- very five small corporate five total. Yeah, yeah. How do you play paintball with just five? 
I don't I don't know. It, it from the way the armbands look, it's Katie and Roy on one side, and then you have Bert, Larry, and Stan on the other. So you got one. So it's already uneven. Out, yeah, it, everything's uneven when Bert's on your side. Yeah. Because he's the alpha and he also seems to be a giant dipshit who's running well, around the, uh, the pine got, barrens with a machete. You've also got Roy, and, and I, I, I have to admit, I related to Roy and his helpless fumbling around in the woods. But I can't imagine that you do that much shuffling. <laughs> he seems to have a sort of, uh, it's almost like an episode of Benny Hill is broken out and no one's told so anyone Benny, else. Yeah, it's Benny Hill. I did kind of, I did appreciate the breaking off the the piece of wood from the tree and trying to attach trying it back to, to the it. tree, <laughs> and, it crum- and it just crumbles in his hands. I actually laughed out loud that scene. And if they that, had left it at just that, I think I would have a much better that, that, that feeling was for the scene. Some genuinely funny slapstick, and then yes. of course it just they just keep pushing it and pushing it, and then it stops being funny. It's like they everyone laughed at that, and they're like, well, let's yeah. film some other have stuff. Have them trip over a branch. Have them trip over three branches. Have them five, <laughs> seven, eight, 20 branches. 20 branches. Oh. Do a hammer dance from that tree all the way over to that tree. Um, Roy is the physical comedy of this, and I put that in dick fingers, of this particular <laughs> mm-hmm. grouping. Uh, we then also have... He's uh, the one who took the, the, the movement and clown classes yes. of, of acting school. He, he probably knows how to pattern. juggle uh, scarves. Yeah. Like sure dollars to donuts, he knows how to juggle scarves. <laughs> and then we also have uh, Larry and Stan. They're the first... They're the twosome that talk the most in mm-hmm. this entire thing. And they have this whole rapport where uh, Larry tells Stan that... Uh, he you're being a real ass yeah well at least i'm not all ass i'd rather be real ass than all ass (laughs) there's a lot of fat shaming going on and saying that he needs to be more as hungry for sales as he is for food Uh and there's like what like 25 pounds difference between these two guys they're not these two and go well clearly this man is enormous compared to the other one it's not a mutt and jeff situation no one is not a physical specimen and and the other is you know wimpy from popeye cartoons (laughs) they basically if you were to squint they would look like the same fucking guy my favorite character in the movie so far is katie Lady executive. Lady executive, who's the only competent motherfucker in that whole forest. And she has everybody fooled. She's got everybody's ticket. She's probably has the most outdoor experience of all of them. She's able to imbue all of this with by barely speaking. And she's the only one paying attention. There's a lot of people that you might have seen before. Alan Blumenthal is the guy who plays. He's Larry. And he was also in War Games, and he's been on like every TV show of all time. Just you've seen. Yeah, I thought he looked. Yeah, he's definitely a that guy. I was trying to figure out without having to look it up where I've seen him. And she's familiar too. Oh yeah, well she was on almost every season of uh, of uh, I almost said for your consideration, (laughs) curb your enthusiasm. It's any time in town, and every billboard says for your consideration on it. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, yeah, she was on uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm forever, and she's been on every TV show uh, for Evs. 
Oh my God. She was on Love Boat the Next Wave. Good for her. She did a stint on Empty Nest. Uh, she was in the Further Adventures of Super Ted, whatever the hell that is. Oh, that was a voice acting gig. Um, yeah. She's on Pound Puppies. Well, there we go. She was on Benson. She was on. She was in the Private Benjamin TV show. Well, that makes sense. I bet she she must have played. Uh, what is her name? Eileen Stritch, right? That character. No, no, no. Eileen Stritch. No, 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 no. No, no. She didn't play I, uh, that version. Eileen Brennan was Brennan, in both the you. movie and the TV show. Oh, she, she made the transition. She played Private Carol Witter, hmm. uh, and she seemed to be in every episode of that. She was also in Caddyshack. She's the female. A caddy and Caddyshack. So here's the deal. Let's talk about Bert's death, I suppose. Uh, Bert is, we learn he's been shot by Katie, and this has made his pee pee feel weird, basically. <laughs> As yes, if it's not existing. He gives him permission, he feels, to go off about women. And stupid, stupid, she gets to be here at the retreat, blah, 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 and she should be in the kitchen and all that stuff. I'm pretty sure that Bert probably has a lot of disciplinary action letters in his in his HR file at the uh, at Sales Co. or, or, or Globo Sales or whatever the name yes. of the company they might work for. What do you think they do? What do you think this company does? They sell I, things. I, yeah. They make they sales. <laughs> They sell paintball equipment, Patrick, clearly. I think they would be better at paintball if they sold paintball equipment, to be honest. They, they're, they're trying to do quality assurance. <laughs> I think they probably sell widgets, you know, yeah, various you plastic like, gigaws. Yeah. You could picture you could definitely innocuous. picture you could definitely picture Larry carrying around a briefcase with samples in it. Samples yes. of what we don't know, but he's he's very protective of that suitcase. Yeah, samples and a, a sandwich. Exactly, a comically large hoagie style sandwich <laughs> with with toothpicks with olives sticking out of the top of it. Oh yes, yes. olives. <laughs> <laughs> a real Dagwood. This Larry. exactly, exactly. Um, then... I was very pleased with this stuff. Oh, because if I felt like oh, Jason. He's a feminist. He's, he's a little pissed off by this rambling shaming of this lady executive. He doesn't, he doesn't have time for this. Jason is done with your misogynist bullshit. Yes. And maybe that's the gin talking, but this is what I felt. If there's one thing that I get from Jason Voorhees whenever I see him on screen is the subtle down with the patriarchy right? that comes across. He's Listen, a little. He's, he's a little too. He's a little too sex shamey, though. I think to to really be, uh, you know, really be qualify as as woke AF. <laughs> yeah, true. But he takes all comers, and to be honest with you, there's not a lot of virgins in this forest. Although I'm not convinced that Bert has ever touched a boob. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's done in such a delightful way. Of, you know, it's the apex of him shouting and being a jerk. Jason comes in. Yes. And and just yanks him by the arm, Uh throws him across a good five to ten feet. Yes. His face either hits a tree twig and impales him 
or he just hits the tree real hard. It, they, it almost looked like at one point they were going for a Fulci-like death, but it didn't quite work. Or he just smacks him into that happy face that's carved into the tree. And, and again, uh, much to Jason's surprise, he has, apparently being brought back from the dead, has made him really fucking strong. He can, he can rip someone's arm out of their socket without even really trying. No, he wasn't trying. Like, this is as big of a revelation to him as it is to the audience. Uh, so he's like, but it's it's really well-timed, that gag. Yes. Now, there is one thing that should be said here. Uh, there are two Jasons in this movie. Okay. What? There's the Jason in this sequence, and there's the Jason in the whole rest of the movie. Why? Get this, kids. Well, we're talking about fat-shaming Larry. So this was one of the first things filmed. And they screened it at Paramount, and the executives all came back with one big note. Replace Jason, he looks fat. (laughs) Well, I mean, compared to what? Compared to somebody just crawled out of the grave? I mean, he may look a little suspiciously portly. Yeah, I think he's a robust human in comparison to the, the more skeletal version of him that we see, particularly at the beginning. Like, when he first crawls out and he puts on that mask, it seems huge compared to his head. Yeah. And then in the other movies, the mask is more so proportional. So, they reshot this stuff or they just had done this scene? They had said... just done that scene. They oh. sent it back to, to to Paramount. They screened it. And everyone's like, well, you got to replace that <laughs> we Jason. We cannot have a He's... rotund Jason. Yeah. Huh. He's got too much junk in his trunk. <laughs> and that's not how we roll. We need him to be a perfect specimen. And so they replaced him. Note, note, is David Hasselhoff available? (laughs) (laughs) Who's really hunky out there right now? (laughs) Who's that guy who plays Dan Tana on Vegas? He'd make a great Jason. Robert Urich would have made a wonderful Jason, God rest his soul. (laughs) (laughs) He would have brought charm. He would have brought panache. Yeah. The, the ladies would have really you know, flocked to the horror movie scene much sooner. Sorry, with uh, my with my blog, I, I end up inadvertently doing a lot of stuff involving Robert Urich, and I, and I developed a, a grudging <laughs> affection for him. I he was basically the he was basically the king of seventies and eighties television. He was. Yeah, he was everywhere. So Bert, R.I.P.D. You won't be missed. I think everyone no. in that company is thrilled he did not come back. Yeah, they're uh, not. They're not gonna. They're not gonna hold a collection for 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 Bert's family. No, there will no, there will be no 1986 version of GoFundMe to 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 pay, <laughs> to, to pay for a college fund for Bert's children. I don't believe Bert has children. I do not. No, no. Bert probably does not have children now. <laughs> he leads a very sad bachelor life. Wait, see, now that you've paused, because he's pausing uh, the movie right now after Bert's death, he does look like a very well-fed. <laughs> Corpse. <laughs> he's got. He still has a lot of maggots in his tum tum. Let's let's put it that way. He's yeah. It, compared to the way Jason was physicalized in other movies, I will say he looks a little on the portly side. He's not like a John Candy, but he's also not. You know, the sort of stuntman. He he looks like a stuntman who's gone to seat. Like a guy who does a lot of car gags. Not someone who falls off of roofs or gets lit on fire. 
if we're going through stuntman parlance. <laughs> Which apparently we are. I've known a fair amount of stuntmen over the years. I wanted to be them. I had seen Hooper. I thought they were cool. <laughs> and so that happens. You you kind of put them into categories a little bit. So yeah, he's he's a little bit chunkerific. Uh, but that's okay. I don't love him any less. But he got straight booted out of this bad boy. Um, and so let's go back to Larry and Stan and Katie because they're the next up to bat. Yeah. Literally, because Jason's going to take a swing at him. And so their deaths are forecast, you know, at least two of their deaths are forecast by her making after she paintballs them and 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 splats them with the red paint. She makes them put on the headbands that say dead. Yeah. So, you know, it's coming <laughs> and they're being very funny and winky about it here. Like they're very upset. We were, we're not going to be subtle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're, they're amping up that. They're amping up that. Do, 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 yes. do music. The music, oh, the goofy music is going. Well, they may have sent a bunch of notes about uh, fat shaming the guy who played Jason. The one thing no one sent a note to any actor was be more subtle with this. <laughs> that, take it, take it down a couple notches. <laughs> it's, we're aiming for less broad was not a sequence of words that was stated out loud. At least not in the evidence of the edit that we see. Yeah. Um, so Larry, Stan, and Katie are all lined up in a row. And out jumps Jason. He drops down from a tree. Now, do we have our second Wizarding World of Harry Potter appreciation move here? Because he wasn't in that tree and based on his looks, I'm not entirely sure he could shuffle up one real fast. <laughs> He's not exactly in bobcat parkour type shape. But, but remember, he just ripped a dude's arm out of his socket. You know, he could probably, who knows, he might be able to do some sort of Wolverine-esque, just, you know, <laughs> you know straight ground jump just 10 feet into the air. Sort of like a Hulk thing where yeah. he just does a big hop. He doesn't really fly. He just propels his body. Exactly. Yeah, I get it. Um, so yeah, he jumps out of the, into a tree and then out of a tree unnecessarily mm-hmm. or magically, uh, you know, does a bamf on him, zags on him a little bit. And then we get Roy <laughs> retaliating for the, the deaths of his three, three coworkers that well, he's you, just seen. But you're skipping over what was fairly awesome, which is he doesn't just drop out of a tree. He slashes across all three of their heads. Which sure. is amazing. A triple decap. Triple beheading. Yes. And, and is, for is, points is for a... difficulty, this is way up there. Yeah. Is this the first time we've gotten a, we've gotten a threefer? Oh, <laughs> yes. I mean, we've had a lot of get bunked situations. Most of them being singles. But uh, a couple of them being doubles. Here, we go, we're upping the game here. We're going three. And not just shish kebabbing them. Just decapitating them yeah. completely. It's and this is where, you know, my my theory where maybe he, Jason had grown a little bit from the grave and realized, you know, uh, equal rights are important to me. And I'm, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to spare, I'm going to get that Burke guy. I, I thought maybe he would spare her for a second. I don't know why I thought that. She's in the, she's literally she's in, in the wrong place at the wrong yeah. time because she's standing right in between Larry and Stan. So she was either, 
she just was in in a bad locale and she happens to be tall enough now she had well that's what that's what makes the triple beheading more uh uh impressive is that they are different heights he's got a bit <laughs> he's of an up, go down, up, up down. and a down yeah he's got a, maybe he's worked on his knife skills he's like a chef <laughs> possible both becky and i when we were in a, a a cooking class we took a professional cooking class when we were working at fox and we both managed to knife half of our fingers in half during that class <laughs> yeah. at any given point and well, end you, up in the, in the er you, you got to make your blood sacrifice to the kitchen gods <laughs> yes if it's, if it's not that then it's it's what i did basically like slicing the shit out of your knuckles with a with a mandolin have you ever used one of those things oh yeah, oh, yeah. They're fucking brutal. Use, yeah, they they need to they need to have a, a movie in which somebody kills someone with a mandolin. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> that would be quite a process. I, I don't know what the setup would be. I guess maybe you kind of just grind their face into it. Oh God, I just freaked myself out just thinking about that. Ooh. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm not gonna sleep tonight. But let's, let's let's just move on. <laughs> they could remake the Matchstick Man as a as a yeah. Uh, so. Then we have Roy uh, retaliating. He's gone full Mr. Limpet here with his <laughs> physical yeah, he, countenance. He, he needs to do, I mean, really the only thing he is not doing in this scene is, is the, the Abbott and Costello kind of thing, which which is good because Alan already did that with the, yeah. with the whole <laughs> kind of thing. He, he almost says, ghost, but he doesn't. Um, or I, or he's running not or, to talk, or, or running in place while making that Scooby Doo kind of yes, that was yeah, say, kind of exactly noise. Like Scooby Doo character. You read my mind, Gina. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he scampers off, and then and scamper is perfect word for it. Yeah, <laughs> he does scamper. Yeah, there's there's a wild gesticulation happening in all of, and. He is very sprightly. I'll give him that. He has a lot of bounce in his step. So he, he maybe he's a runner. I'm not sure. but And he doesn't immediately trip like everyone else in these movies. He actually does not. Because he, he already did a couple times before. Yeah. I, I think, I think <laughs> before when, no, when there was no killer around. Yeah, any, anything more than that, you really would have been you t- testing the audience's goodwill. <laughs> now, as per tradition here on the Kill by Kill podcast, I have not watched the rest of the movie yet. But Roy doesn't show back up, right? We just oh. assume that he died. Uh, his corpse is found later. His um, corpse I did, is found later. Yeah, I actually, okay. I have not watched, I, I, I too am watching it scene, section by section, but I did kind of skip ahead to see what was coming. And yeah, evidently his corpse is later found. So R.I.P.D. Roy, um... You had one brilliant moment of physical comedy and then a lot of good tries. <laughs> you get a medal of participation. Um, and so that brings us to the part of the podcast that everyone both loves and dreads in equal measure. It's Choose Your Own Death Venture, where we are going to decide for each of us which death mm-hmm. we would choose if forced in the deaths that we've reviewed so far on this particular podcast. And... For our consideration today, we have get your arm yanked off of your body and your face smashed into a tree, a la Bert. Or we can be part of a triple decapitation. And or we could just 
shuffle off this mortal coil like Roy in some way that may have been brutal or may have maybe he just tripped and fell face first into a bear yeah, trap for all we know. know. I don't, yeah, <laughs> I cannot pick Roy for that reason. It's too many unknowns. <laughs> yeah, that's that's too much. Yeah. Okay, so what what then, Becky Wilson, would be your choice if you were to choose your own death venture here? Um, I guess. I mean, the triple beheading people, it's fast, but they also, they have that moment of knowing. They know it's coming. I think everyone has a Does moment Bert of knowing. Does Bert know it's coming? Well, he gets he's grabbed, so, so he knows that something's happening. Well, when he when Jason jumps out of the tree, the automatic belief is not, oh, this is the moment I'm going to die. It's a surprise that this rather husky fellow has dropped out of a branch on a tree. Yeah, but he also has a knife in his hand, a giant machete. Yeah, he does have a giant machete. <laughs> so but he could have been tree trimming for all we know. <laughs> you know it's not going to be good. Um, hmm. I do like that the arm, the arm is cut. I mean, I love that camera shot where he, he holds up the knife at the end after he kills him, and the arm is still attached. It was kind of great. So. I guess for that reason, I'll choose that death. You're going with Bert. Yeah. Now, you also have to be a raging misogynist. I know. It'd be something to try on. Your mother's going to be very disappointed. (laughs) It's true. Becky's mother was the first female mayor in Wisconsin history. Yeah. Oh. So. I know. Newscasters would come to our house because we were such an anomaly. Like, oh my goodness. A lady making decisions. <laughs> a lady mayor. <laughs> Welcome to Mars. I know. <laughs> there was a lot of solo machete chopping in that town. Let me tell you that. All right, Gina, you're up to bat. Well, at the, at the risk of repeating myself, I, I am a coward, so I would probably prefer the, the, the quickest death, which would likely be getting your head sliced off with a machete so whichever one in that was first whichever one of that line of idiots was the the first one to to lose their head that's that's the one who i would want to be now you're also condemning the us because it has to be three people unless you want to choose two other people oh don't put that kind of pressure on me <laughs> Well, I do. Said, I do. When I, I said, I do, do not... you want to be on this podcast? And you say yes. <laughs> this was the kind of thing this that was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we make life or death decisions here on Kill by Kill. That's what we're known for: journalism. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, guys. I guess since you're since you're both here, more or less, you know, wrong place, wrong time. Much like yeah. much like Katie. So you know, mm. I, I'm sorry. You can yell at me in the afterworld. <laughs> In Valhalla, we'll have words uh, over beers. Um, and so, Yourself? yeah. Huh? You would choose? What? That's what I was about to say. Oh. What I would choose. I know. That's or, what are I you said, you... and you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not used to someone actually being here <laughs> when I talk. I'm used to this being a You're monologue and disconnected voices. Yes. Yeah. It's just, it's really ruining my Apparently shirtless, as I've heard by listening to other podcasts. Becky, you've been married to me for well over a decade, you know. This is is a strange revelation to me, Gina. All these episodes that he sits here in our our home office with his shirt off. Everyone, can I talk to you over here? I'm trying trying to create a personal brand for myself. People always see, they don't see me. They only hear me on the podcast, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 
so like it's a theater of remember theater of the mind yeah remember when we were told when we were doing promo theater of the mind that's what i'm doing mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. Th- okay so that by god <laughs> another fine uh, episode so of so kill by kill admitting nor denying the shirtlessness you're either making it up right to be theater of the mind right you actually do do it when it's, I'm not in the room. That, I leave that up to the listener to determine. Well, one of us has to be the, the, the sex symbol of the podcast. <laughs> I see. Every podcast needs a designated sex and symbol. I'm, I'm and I'm sitting here with a turby twist on my head. So clearly it's going to have to be Patrick, at least for this episode, who's just you know, bringing the steam, you know, you know, bringing that heat that a podcast about horror movies just desperately needs. Yes. Just that that raw animal magnetism. I bring a lot of teen steam to this particular <laughs> yeah. podcast. Uh, so, in terms of what I would choose, uh, you know what? I I'm just gonna I'm gonna wing it. I've chosen a lot of outrageous deaths and a lot of easy deaths so far. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll the dice. I'm gonna go for Roy, because at least I would have had a lovely run through the forest and gotten some. Good adrenaline would be a yeah, and you'd have a little rush. He looks very physically fit, and maybe has you know a a good chance of possibly out shuffling Jason Voorhees. We just unfortunately he doesn't at the end, especially Fat Elvis Jason Voorhees. (laughs) (laughs) Which would we put on a stamp? Skinny Elvis Jason or Fat Elvis Jason? You could also think of him as, as Jim Morrison in Paris, Jason. There we go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There's a lot of different Jasons out there. Uh, these are the Jasons I know I know. These are the Jasons I know. Uh, and so that brings us once again to the conclusion of the Kill by Kill podcast. Hey, Becky, where can uh, people talk to you if they want to? On the internet, <laughs> if they want to, yeah. <laughs> the, people might have very interesting questions for you about your shirtless, about my shirtlessness, about how glistening my bod is at any <laughs> right. given time. Uh, we are uh, on Twitter at We Write Good. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, you will find me uh, hunched over a laptop, usually writing in my bed. <laughs> For some reason, because it's more comfortable. If you want to find Becky, <laughs> look for her bed. Yep. All right, uh, Gina, uh, where can people find you on the internet? I write about 70s and 80s television, occasionally featuring the late, great Robert Urich at tuneintonight.wordpress.com. Yes. That is correct. Check it out, people. Hey, you want to talk to us? Uh, there's a couple different ways you can do it. You can reach out to us on Twitter at KillByKillPod. If you have something longer than 140 characters to say, you can email us, KillByKillPod at gmail.com. And as always, we would implore you, if you would be ever so kind, to rate and review us on iTunes. And if you do, people, well, I will read your review here on the air. Please include your favorite kill from the uh, kill from the uh, Friday the 13th series and uh, we'll, we'll shout you out here. And uh, a couple people have done it and uh, we'll, we'll add them to this at a later time when I start editing the podcast. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a making the sausage moment. <laughs> and so that just about does it for us, for myself, for Gina, and for Becky. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.
Kill by Kill is produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Friday the 13th is owned by Paramount Pictures. Jason is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.